you wouldn't have thought so either. And uh, I, I, when you think about what it would have been like on this weekend where everything has turned so quickly. A week ago, Jesus is being celebrated and they're, they're marching into Jerusalem and then so quickly everything starts to turn. He's arrested on Thursday. He's publicly crucified on Friday. And you can imagine why his closest followers would have thought it's over, it's done. They would have given up hope entirely. Yet here we are 2,000 years later, Perth, Western Australia, and we've gathered around the name of Jesus. And how, how does this happen? What, what is the change that takes place? You know, where, where his closest followers would have been ready to give up entirely. There was nothing left to kind of keep pushing onward or forward with. And yet a transformation takes place that has defined the last 2,000 years of history. And that's what we're going to just reflect a little bit on today. You know, if you are someone who doesn't normally uh, come to church or, or, or normally on, on even on Easter, maybe, you know, I hope today what you'll catch is a little snapshot of why this event that we've sung about and are celebrating today, this transformation from that moment till now, why the resurrection of Jesus is the singular defining event in history. And for everyone here, if you do normally come to church and you would say, yes, no, I believe that. And I, I, today is a great day for us to be reminded that this is what our faith is built on. It's built on what happened on that weekend. Jesus' death and his resurrection. You know, earlier this week I had a couple meetings in the city. I needed to take an Uber from one to the other. I got into the car, traffic was a little bit heavy, was chatting with the driver, kind of a young guy. He said something about Holy Week and traffic. I said, oh, Holy Week, you know, are you, uh, you know, it's busy this week. Do you have, do you have a faith of, of your own? And he said, no, 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 I, I gave up on faith. I gave up on faith. I said, oh, well, can you tell me what kind of faith did you give up on? What was it you gave up on and, and why did you give up on it? He told me a little bit about his story growing up in Pakistan and uh, and the, the Muslim faith he saw around him. And, and if I were to summarize, in a sense, what he shared with me, it was mostly that despite all of the faith he saw around him, he felt that the world wasn't getting any better and there was still, uh, you know, nothing seemed to improve or anything like that. There was still lots of pain, still lots of suffering. And he said, and further, he kind of just went, you know what, all religions pretty much teach the same thing anyway, and you see a lot of the same stuff everywhere. And so he said, so I just, you know, gave up on faith. I said, well, can I just tell you why, uh, why I think faith in Jesus is one place you can put your faith that is unlike any other. And it is actually, no, despite the fact sometimes we think they're all the same in all religions and all teachers, there is something that is unique about Jesus. And, and I just asked if I could share that with him and I talked to him about that. And basically what I want to talk about this morning is that same conversation with all of us. To be reminded, if you're a person of faith, why Jesus this is different than everything else. And why it gives us a hope we can be certain of that we never need to give up on. And if you're somebody who's just kind of ended up here, I want you to know today that Jesus isn't just like every other religious teacher. This event, what happened in human history, is unique amongst all things, all places, all times, all events. You see, what 
we see happen was that even Jesus' closest followers wanted to give up on, on him at this moment. In fact, we're going to go to the book of Mark. Mark was someone who was an eyewitness and started to compile some eyewitness accounts for us. You know what we call the Bible sometimes and think it, you may think it just dropped out of heaven. What it is is people who wrote down their eyewitness accounts of the things they saw. And these things were passed on and, and, and taken care of so that we could know what happened. And Mark records some of the story like this. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Jesus, you know, was uh, put to death on a Friday. Saturday was the Jewish Sabbath. You had to rest. You couldn't go out. You couldn't do work. You couldn't do anything. And so they've gone through all the trauma and shock of Jesus dying and the one they were following, thinking was going to be a hero, thinking was maybe going to overthrow the Romans, all of their hopes and dreams. They've just seen crushed by Rome in the most public way possible. And now they've had one day to sit in the shock and in the disruption of all of it. And they want to, these women who had been following uh, Jesus, some of his closest uh, followers, they want to take these spices to anoint him, to still care for him. And so they wait for the Sabbath to end. And then they go in this state of shock. And, they, and it says in verse 2 that very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, this is on Sunday, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who's going to roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Do you realize this? Uh, we talk about this as a shocking, surprising turn of events. Jesus' closest followers, the ones he'd been speaking to, telling, talking about all this. They had no inclination, no inkling, no thought that there was anything left to come. They're just thinking, Who's going to roll away the stone? They're not expecting. It's hard for us to even imagine what it would have been like living on this side of history, knowing how this story ends. It's hard for us to imagine what it would have felt like for them. Walking, certain they were going to find this stone still there. And they asked each other who will roll away. But when they looked up, they got there, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Now the women get there, we're told from John's account, he says that actually then an angel kind of meets them, lets them know Jesus is alive, there's an appearance of Christ. The women are suddenly starting to try and make sense of all this stuff that's happening and, and thinking and Jesus is alive. And, there's an, and, and what we find is then in Luke, it uh, tells us that now these women eventually after there's a bit of kind of confusion and hecticness. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And they run back to the disciples. The disciples are all kind of, uh, Jesus' close followers, are all kind of hanging out together. They're afraid of what's going to happen. They don't know exactly what's going on. And in Luke, it, it tells us this, that the women start telling them, you know, all this stuff's happened. The body's gone. They've stolen him. We don't even know who stole him. And it says they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Imagine, like, all they're starting to experience and try to figure out what's going on. They're like, all this. And they're like, what is even going going on here and Peter though it says he got up and he ran to the tomb he's like I gotta I don't know what's going on but I gotta see what's going on and he bends over and he looks in he sees strips of linen the grave clothes lying by themselves nobody is there and he went away wondering to himself what had happened you know that the the resurrection was an entirely unexpected event you know the one thing we know is that nobody 
And you see it from these people documenting their own disbelief, confusion, and skepticism. Uh, his closest followers, they document, they talk about this. We didn't know what to believe, what to expect. We didn't even, you know, we were like, we thought it was all nonsense. We weren't sure. Nobody was expecting there to be no body in that tomb. Nobody was expecting that. You know, you want to know why Jesus is, is unique and different amongst all this. One of the things I said to my friend I met in the Uber, you know, the, there is no one else. There is no other religious teacher or figure that anyone has ever said rose from the dead. And even Jesus' own followers, it wasn't like they had motivation and ideas of here's why I will say he rose. They were not looking for it. They weren't expecting it. This was not even how they saw any of this playing out. It's the most surprising turn of events in all history. They're still trying to make uh, sense of all this. And it says that on the evening, so, so Peter's gone. He's looked. The, the clothes are there. They're still trying to make sense. What is going on here? You know, if you've ever thought maybe some of the, the resurrection, if you've ever thought, you know, Jesus may be good teacher. Jesus may be probably worth emulating some of his life. But all the resurrection, maybe that's just a little too far. His closest followers felt like it was nonsense at first until something started to happen. And on the evening of that first day of the week, the disciples, his followers, they were all together. They're in a room with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Now just remember this with me for a moment. Jesus' closest followers on that night, on uh, Easter Sunday, if you will, what would become. This is how they were spending their evening. They were all in a room, huddled together, afraid of what was going to happen to them. Because their leader had just been crucified by Rome. You know, the cross was there, you know, it was a statement. This is what will happen to anyone who defies Rome. It was a statement of Rome's power. It was so public because they wanted to deter it. It was the worst form of execution you could have. And so you can imagine his followers. Well, if they've done this to our leader, then it's probably open season on us too. So here they are. They're locked in a room afraid what's going to happen if the, if the same leaders who got Jesus in this situation start coming for us. So there they are. They're locked in the room. And then it tells us this. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up in this room with the locked doors. And it says they were startled and frightened. It's probably an understatement. <laughs> what, how would you describe your feelings if you were there in that moment? We were startled. You know, you're like, you're just searching for where it was a little startling. Yeah, yeah, we kind of watched him die. Everyone knew it, saw it, great. And then he shows up. They were startled. They're frightened because nobody was expecting this. They're thinking they saw a ghost. In fact, one of them would, would want to be able to touch him with his hands and wouldn't believe until he could. We call him Doubting Thomas. He just wanted to touch. Like, is this a ghost? What is this? What is going on? But Jesus said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Now, this is the beauty of the, uh, you know, I can imagine Jesus saying this like a little just kind of sly smile on his face. You know, why are you troubled? <laughs> why, why, why are we troubled? I don't know. Cross, death, here you are. And I think even in this, you start to see, you know, we, we talk about the joy that's found in Christ. You already start to see glimmers of the resurrection joy. Why are you troubled? I mean, and Jesus starting to ask, you know, why, why did doubts rise in your mind? He's showing them, I am 
alive. It's not what they expected. It's not what anyone expected. But Jesus goes on to say to him, he actually tells him, look, I, this is what I told you. Jesus tells him, look, this is what I told I tried to tell you guys what was coming while I was still with you. I tried to tell you everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. He was trying to help them understand all of their history and the scriptures. And, you know, they didn't have a Bible the way we think of the Bible. They had the, the Jewish scriptures and the writings. And, and, and Jesus going, all of that was pointing towards me. And I kept trying to tell you. I kept trying to help you understand. It all had to be fulfilled. And he said, and I wanted you to understand the Messiah, the Savior, the, the, the one they were looking for had to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. But whenever Jesus used to talk to them about suffering, they were usually a bit like, no, 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 let's not worry about that. Let's just keep moving on. Don't worry about that. And Jesus says, no, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Let me hear you say witnesses. You know, these Doubting people, afraid, locked up in rooms, skeptical, uh, feeling like all this is a bit of nonsense. What ultimately happens is these doubters become witnesses. They are witnesses to the event that is unlike any other event. They are witnesses to the event that changed all of human history. They were witnesses that Jesus was alive. They were witnesses that he's come back from the dead. He's not in the grave and he's not a ghost. He is alive. He is resurrected. And they become witnesses of it. And they begin to share the story and they begin to tell the story and they begin to, to tell people exactly what's happened. Can I tell you something? We are here today and all of human history changed because they became eyewitnesses. They were witnesses of what had happened. They saw it. They could say this isn't just another they didn't kind of go, let's just start telling people what Jesus' teachings were. You know, he said so many good things that we could all live a good life. They didn't go, if we just kind of all, you know, applied Jesus' teaching, the world could be a little bit of a better place. They went, no, 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 Jesus is alive and this changes everything. That's what happened after that day. You know, our faith does not rest on kind of some nice ideas or good teachings. One of the things I told them that are the thing that is totally unique and different about the Christian faith, about faith in Jesus, it is all founded on an event that Jesus was killed and then he was alive. And if he had not been seen alive, and many of these people then gave their lives for what they witnessed, if he had not been seen alive, you and I would have never heard of him. His teachings, it wouldn't have been like people like, we should just keep, you know, the stuff he taught. We should keep that in circulation. We should keep talking about it. No, no, no. There was the only reason that you and I know in the name of Jesus. The reason that, you know, we define time by before and after Jesus is because he was witness to be alive. And when you conquer death, when you can predict your own death, die publicly in front of crowds, and then show yourself alive again, then all of a sudden, everything you taught has a certain credibility to it. All of a sudden, you can have confidence that if he says he is the Son of God, well, I'm inclined to believe him, giving the resurrection. And what he says about himself and how life works, all these things 
we can know to be true. You know, the resurrection, what we see happen here, we realize that this is the most profound event, the most extraordinary event. And it has profound implications for our lives. If this happened, then it changes everything about our lives. It changes everything about how we experience life. It changes everything about what we think about the meaning of life, the purpose of life, our, our hopes, our dreams, our our past, our things we've done right, the things we've done wrong. It redefines all of it. And not based on some good teachings, based on the reality that Jesus was dead and then he rose again. And we can know him. Because not only did he appear to these 12, but if we went right around this room, be filled with people who could say, this was how Jesus revealed himself to me. It may be kind of hard to explain and it may not have been quite like them in that room. But there was a way I came to know that actually he wasn't just alive back then. He's alive now. And he's still changing lives. I want to show you the implications of how and why this can be so life changing. You know, Peter was a guy who was... Uh, just before Jesus was crucified, Peter was, is known in, in, in a famous story about him. And he's in, uh, Jesus has been arrested. And, and this little girl asks him, hey, don't you know Jesus? And Peter's like, no, 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 I don't know him. Two more people ask him, no, 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 I don't know. He's so afraid. He's like, no, I don't. I'm not with him because he's so afraid of what could happen to him. We see Peter as one of the disciples who's locked in that room, afraid and fearful uh, of these Jewish leaders. Afraid of what could happen to him. But Peter's life on the other side of the resurrection is radically different. I want to just read you something he wrote. These were the implications in his life. He wrote these words years later. It was a letter to some others, a, a group of people like us here, a church, the people that were following Jesus, putting their hope and trust that Jesus is alive and I'm going to live for him now. And Peter writes him this letter and he says this. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says, look, you know what, because of the resurrection, we can know that Jesus is not just some other teacher. He's God's son. He is God stepped into this world. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Peter says, now you can know hope. You can actually have hope. You can hold it in your life. Hope, not even like a verb, like, oh, I'm hoping this or that. No, like, actually, you have a reason to have hope and confidence in the future. And he says, how do we get it? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If Jesus rose from the dead, we have hope that can go even beyond the grave. What used to be the most insurmountable barrier of all, our hope now goes beyond that. And we have tangible reason because he saw Jesus alive. And he says, and we have this inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. An inheritance. Do you know what an inheritance is something that children in a family get? What Peter's saying is we can be a part of God's family. We can actually, we think of it as nothing. Yeah, we, we can talk about it even if you're not a religious person, anything like that. We think of God as a father or things like that. This was new. Because of Jesus, we could know God is for us. There's an inheritance. God is for you. And this inheritance, he said, is kept in heaven for you. If Jesus, he doesn't know about heaven because of just some nice teaching. He knows because he met Jesus and he realized here he has been dead and he's alive. And so if you have something to say about heaven, I'll put some confidence into that. And he goes on and he writes this. He says, and in this, in all this hope, he says, you can greatly rejoice. You can greatly rejoice, though, for now, for a little while. 
You may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Do you know, Peter, when you think about this, you know, in, in, you can greatly rejoice even in times of grief and trials. Now, Peter says, you know, for a little while you may have had to suffer some grief and trials. You know, when you're actually having a trial, it never feels like a little while. <laughs> it feels like a long while. But Peter's going, look, when you begin to see life in light of the resurrection, it changes your perspective on everything. And he said, you know what, the thing is now, because Jesus, because he's alive, even trials and suffering, you can have a joy in them. And Peter says, you know, Peter's like, you want to, because Peter saw Jesus endure suffering that we cannot imagine. And yet on the other side of the suffering of the cross was this resurrected Christ. And Peter's like, I've got confidence in this. Because Peter knew what it was to sit with Jesus. Literally, he had breakfast with him on a beach after the resurrection. And here's the thing. So Peter, imagine this. Peter, who was so fearful. Peter, who would deny Jesus even to like a, a little servant girl. Peter is now so bold and confident that he's walking through life going, even if you have to suffer for a little while, you can still have confidence. You can have hope. You can have joy even in that. Peter, tradition tells us, was beheaded by Nero in Rome when, when persecution broke out against the followers of Jesus. Now think about this. If Peter could go from fearful to someone who could face his own death with joy in his heart, that right there is how the resurrection can reframe everything. Peter became somebody brand new because he embraced the resurrection. The, the great news of Easter, of the resurrection. We think about this cross and we all, if we see a cross today, we look at it and it conjures up thoughts for around the world that conjures up images of love. And yet that cross once upon a time meant death meant torture, meant the power of Rome, and now Rome is no more, and the cross is the ultimate symbol of love. The cross and the resurrection reframe everything. They change our perspective. They turn fearful people into fearless. They turn suffering people into finding joy. And no matter what the situation, no matter what your life, no matter what your past, no matter what the future, stamped over all of it can be resurrection in Christ. That is what changes the world. That is why Jesus is so unique. There is no other teaching, no other leader. There is no one like Jesus. The Son of God died for us, risen again. That's the good news of Easter. And I want to just encourage you this morning. It's a story that is not meant to just stay a story. It's a story that invites a response. It's a story that just as Jesus said to his followers then, you know, here I am. And, and he called them to now follow him, to receive that new life into their lives and to, and to spend their lives following him from that point on. Likewise, we are all invited to choose. How will we respond to what has happened in Jesus? Will we acknowledge him as Lord? If you, you know, to, to be the one 
who came, who died, who rose again. He showed that he is Lord of all, king of all. And he says to each one of us, come, find new life in me. Come follow me. I've got more life for you than you could possibly imagine. I've got more, more joy for you, more peace for you, more purpose for you than you could possibly imagine. And he's like, and I've proven it by not staying in that grave. What will your response be to him this Easter? You know, whether you're someone who's maybe put your belief and confidence in that years ago. Or whether you're someone who doesn't even normally come or end up at a church like this on a Sunday. That invitation goes to every one of us. Jesus saying, here I am, the risen one. I'm alive. Come follow me. And I want to encourage you, if you're somebody who maybe you've done that in the past and you say, yep, no, my faith and confidence. You know what? On Resurrection Sunday, it's a great day to be reminded that, yes, no matter what, because of that resurrection, I can know joy. I can know peace. And I will follow Christ. That is where my faith is found. Whether you, if you've never done that before, you know what, today is a great day to go. You know, maybe it's a story you've stood at a distance and you've looked at it and you know what it's about, but you've never really chosen to say, you know what, Jesus, I get that that was for me. You went to the cross for me. I believe you rose again and you are alive. And today I want to choose to give you my life and say, Jesus, I want your life to come into me. The Bible tells the same power that was at work to raise Jesus from the dead. He wants that same power to be at work within us. And he brings new life out of our pain, new life out of our sorrow, new life out of our mistakes when we will just open our hearts to him. The resurrection is not just for one day. It's, it's his life flowing into us every day, making us be what we could never be on our own. Today's a day you can really simply choose to open yourself to that reality. In fact, I want to give every person here just a moment to respond. Respond to the story in the way that is most important and appropriate for you today. In fact, would you just take a moment and just bow your head, even if it's not something you normally do. We just often kind of bow the head, close your eyes to create a moment where, where you connect your heart to the unseen but living God. And I want to encourage you to pray, perhaps just a simple prayer. And every person here, whether you follow Jesus for a long time or never even made that decision, but you find yourself knowing you want the life that you can see is in him, I want to give you a simple, simple prayer, just a couple of sentences you can pray that will allow you, if you so desire, to really step in to the new life Jesus came to bring for all of us. And the prayer is as simple as this. It's just to kind of form these words and this prayer in your own mind, in your own heart, to just say, Jesus, I believe you died and rose again for me. And I wanna give you my life. I want to follow you. Jesus, I believe you died and rose for me. And I want to give you my life. I want to follow you.
can I tell you something? Every one of us, if you pray that prayer, those can be the first steps on an unbelievable journey of experiencing all that Jesus has for your life. There'll be lots more things to come, but they can be the first steps in an incredible journey. You'll be amazed where it takes you and how it reframes and reshapes your life. And for every one of us who reaffirms that today, we get to continue on that journey. Experience his life at work within us. And I'd love to pray for every person here today who just says, you know what, this year coming out of Easter Sunday and Resurrection Sunday, I don't want to just go back to the way life has been, but I want to experience more of Jesus' life in my life. I want to pray for you especially today. Maybe you prayed that for the first time today, wanting to open your life to him. I want to pray you'd experience more and more of the risen Christ in your life. Maybe you just kind of reaffirm that today. I want to pray that you will continue to grow and experience. Jesus has so much for us and so much for our lives. And, and today is a great day to just pray that more of that life be released into us. But he always wants us to invite it. And so if you'd like me to pray that for you, I'm going to encourage you. While we're just keeping our heads bowed, just in a space trying to connect with God, just lift your hand up and I'll know who I'm praying for. That's great. I just want to pray for you especially. That's great. It's just something, when you raise your hand, that's awesome. It just reflects you on the inside. You're saying, God, I want this in my life. If there's anybody else, it's going to be a prayer especially for you. That's great. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are alive. That the tomb is empty. And that you invite each one of us into a fuller and richer and more joyful life than we could have ever imagined. You invite each one of us to follow you and to experience life to the full. You have hope that you wanna bring. And God, I wanna pray for every person who has extended that hand is just saying, I want to know more of Jesus' life and mine. I ask today on this special day that we celebrate your resurrection, I ask for a fresh release of your life and power into their heart. I pray that, Lord, they would know you in an increasing way. I pray that all those things that your word tells us, that Peter wrote, that they could have, uh, that living hope would be so strong in their life. Lord, I pray they'd find the strength and joy to be able to rejoice even when they face suffering. There would be a joy that goes beyond the trials they're experiencing. I pray that they would know more and more of the inheritance that you have for them. I pray it be released into their lives. I pray that hope would characterize their life. Pray that people around them would even see that something fresh and new has broken into their life. That they would be witnesses to your power that is still at work today. And so God, we thank you. We thank you that you did what was totally unexpected. What none of us could have imagined. What was utterly unique and fresh that you conquered death itself, 
and opened up life for each one of us. Oh God, I pray you would release more of that, more of that life into us. And I ask it in your name, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Why don't you stand up? Why don't you stand up where you are? And here's what we're gonna do. You know, we are here today, we celebrate this. This is a celebration day as we just celebrate. This is the reality. Every one of us can know this. There is a life God wants us to know that is now possible because of Jesus, because of his resurrection. And this song we're gonna sing, it talks about him being alive in us, alive in us. And the more we know of that, the greater and fuller you know, you just need to know God has more in mind for your life than just surviving. He's gone to the cross for you, risen for the dead for you, and his life can now live in you. Let's celebrate that today. Let's sing. Sing if this is something you believe. Let's celebrate him today. Put your heart into it. Put your mind into it. And let's celebrate what he's done together.